0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate.
1: Sometimes, or not. Anyway, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. Welcome, once again, to another thrilling ride of life, as I'll be bringing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should, always playing the finest in indie pop from that golden decade as we cross time, space, and genre. This week's special guest is going to be Lou Duffy Howard, from the Red Guitars, also Planet Wilson, plus her latest musical adventure, Hailer Electric Company, indeed. He remembered. I'm so pleased with myself. Anyway, we've got that interview that I'll probably break up into three or four easy-to-digest little segments alongside the usual award-worthy playlist. But to get the show on the road, I think we should play your favourite of mine. This is the Red Guitars and Paris, France.
0: love and fame today. today.
1: incredibly funky sounds from the red guitars and that was a track titled Paris France that came from their 1984 album titled Slow to Fade this is David Esau this is the C86 show and yes I was also having a Proustian flashback and in a film that we all watched back in the 80s, it wasn't Paris, France it was Paris, Texas, the Vin Vendors film that starred Harry Dean Stanton and also Natasha Kinsky. indeed we loved our art house films back in the 80s, anyway that's me babbling and reminiscing about the good old days this though is the C86 show and this week's special guest is going to be Lou Duffy Howard who I spoke to quite recently to find out more about life, love poetry and all that other groovy stuff plus her latest musical uh, adventure with the loud hay electric company that's so 70s anyway before we have the first part of that interview I think we'll play one more song and then the first part of the interview this is going to be your favourite and mine good technology you knew I was going to play that did
2: knew. you
0: Photographs of men on the moon We've got water that is good for us We've got coffee that's instantaneous There's lots of leisure time to sit and work it out. There's a TV show
1: Indeed. We love that song. Anyway, that was the Red Guitars and the track titled Good Technology. Hello, this is David Eastall, the C86 6 show. If you want to contact me, we love your messages. Well, some of them make them positive and groovy. You can contact me via Facebook, Twitter, just go to and Instagram. Just go to at C86 show. And also all these shows have been archived. Nearly three years worth of indie chat. So you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean and Mixcloud the famous four anyway this is going to be the first part of my interview with lou duffy howard from as i said uh the planet wilson band also red guitars and her latest musical adventure the electric company the loud Hailer electric company i'm not going to edit that bit anyway this is it this is where i began by asking her a little bit about the early years the very early years in fact and her musical journey and this was her response yeah no, the take ver- it away. In
2: the very early 80s um I think the Red Guitars was one of the first bands I played in, but we had a different name originally and we were called the Czechs, spelt it as in the C-Z-E-C-H-S, like in the the country, we were called the Czechs and it was, um, and we were doing okay, we had quite a good local following and I originally stood in over one Christmas because, the bass player, which was a big Rasta guy. I don't know, I think maybe he was a student in Hull, I'm not sure. But he was going back to either down to London or even possibly back to Jamaica for the Christmas holidays. And the, the band had a gig at the prison in Hull yes. and they needed somebody to stand in for this Christmas gig at the prison. And I used to go along to the gigs, watch them play, and uh went, got the job, play, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, you know. So my first gig ever that I did was actually with the band that became the Red Guitars at the prison in Hull, uh, Christmas Party, (laughs) on a very, very snowy night, uh, just standing in for uh, Mark Douglas, the original bass player. And we had, uh, I kind of got the the bug, really, enjoyed the gig, and ended up staying in the band. I think he went, went... he went either back to London or back somewhere and and, uh, and I ended up staying in the band but at that time I had a parallel band going on for a while which was an all women's uh, band called Jane's Plane and we just were friends really got together um, <clears throat> played a lot of women's events and it was I suppose there was a you know, there's always been not enough women in music, really. So it was we had kind of name because we were doing women's things. Yes. And I don't know how this happened, but Channel 4 featured us on a television programme called Whatever You Want, uh, which was introduced by Lily Allen's dad. And, we, mm-hmm. and the, the, thing, the thing that we got for... They came up to Holland, and interviewed us. And the thing that we got from that was that we went to play at the what was called The Fridge in Brixton. Um, and I think it's called the Ace. It's had a number of different names. Big the big venue, the big cinema venue in Brixton. And um we supported Stiff Little Fingers. Wow. And it was filmed for the tele- for the Channel Four television show. And then I think the week before Nick Cave was doing and the birthday party were doing a gig. It was a there was some great line you know, great lineup, some great bands. um uh, I don't think the television programme lasted very long and we just did that. And in fact I think we didn't really stay together much beyond doing the television programme because uh, I joined the Red Guitars and we were called the Czechs at that time. But yes. I, um, yeah, that the Red guitar started to, you know, I just decided that was what I wanted to do. I was really enjoying playing with that band. Um, Hallam, the guitarist, who was brought up in South Africa, was born in South Africa and lived his early years in Cape Town or near Cape Town. And at that time... South African music, the thing that Paul Simon made famous, was unheard of really here yes, well I remember His there was
1: influences. that was I just remember there was a guy called Johnny clegg wasn 't there who had a couple of big kind of quite commercial hits, but they were he 'd sort of taken the African sort of he was South african he 'd taken a lot of that and made it quite westernized I believe oh, right, okay,
2: so when was that.
1: That was probably about 85, because I remember it was... Oh, yeah, well, of,
2: that was afterwards. Right. Because this, we're talking 81, 82 here. Yes,
1: because that was... Because it was John Peel who introduced us to the people like the ah. Bundu, Bundu boys and then the four yes, brothers. Yes, that's right,
2: yeah. It was all happening just a little bit afterwards. Yes. But uh, so we were just kind of, just before then, and I'd never heard anything like that before. And Helen's guitar playing was just... Amazing, and he's a fantastic musician and a fantastic guitarist, anyway. But had these influences and these rhythms, these different rhythms, different sounds, which we were threading into the, into what became the red guitars. Um, it was just you know, it was just superb to play with. So that's what I really did enjoy. Ultimately, Hallam. Uh, after, well, after the Red Guitars, Hallam and I got the Planet Wilson together. Yes, because this, uh,
1: this is something that I saw on your sort of website, which is all very comprehensive, the, the, yeah. the Planet Wilson website. So did the, just going slightly back, just slightly, you know when you were talking about the first band, the women's band, was this yes. the one that had that three-track single that you, like Bare Hands Night Ride yes, at Van it, Park yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was the early
2: 80s. That was yeah, it was eighty one. Right. And what, and what happened of the uh, of the people in in Jane's plane, uh, Nicola Griffith, uh, the singer, became and is now um, a well uh, well known, I suppose, in 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 the field in her field writer, and and she lives in Seattle and writes science fiction, women's science fiction, That's and other historical stories, um, and she yeah so. Um, so when you found, because
1: yeah. recently you found some material, or whether you might not yeah. just find it, but th- did you sort of then get in touch with her and say, "God, you wouldn't believe it! I've just found some early <laughs> recordings from the early '80s."
2: Yeah, she got in touch with me. She wanted. She just asked. I can't remember. She asked me if I would re- uh, remaster it or something because she wanted to include it in a book or something she was doing. It happened anyway in the end. And there was an, a, there was a, a, a photographer from the time as well. Again, from another band in Hull who'd done um, a, a, re- a book about Hull um, because it was the City of Culture a couple of years ago. And she won- and she now is a, a, uh, a photographer in Bristol, but she wanted to do this book and she wanted to include the music because she said it was just like really influential to her at the time. So, yeah, yes. I said, OK, you can do. And it was great because Carol, um, yeah, she was, um, oh, Carrie Hitchcock was her name. And she came up to... Uh, Rich and I run an acoustic night called Loud Halo Acoustic, which we run uh, once a month. We've done it for a number of years now, and it's a, a, just a lovely acoustic night. People come and play. Um, but we 've got some really you know really special moments happen there, and some great music, and she came up and played, which was great really God, good red guitars have been and played as well and
1: <laughs> that's where yeah, really
2: awesome. came up from Brighton and did some songs recently, so it's been a really good night yeah
1: absolutely so then the planet so you, then it formed into not that band because obviously that finished the planet Wilson band
2: that was the yes. kind of the
1: early years of the really the red guitars starting to sort of form. Well,
2: yeah, no. It was after, after the plant after the Red Guitars finished. So the Red Guitars were around. Eight, actually, not that long. Eighty-two, we were the Czechs. By eighty-three, we became the Red Guitars. Reviewed an enemy. Lots of John Peel play. We produced the independent album Slow to Fade, which was early. De- you know, really early days of um, proper independent releases. We just lots of record companies were interested, but we just thought, you know. Let's just do this ourselves and with the um, support of Red Rhino and the Cartel, a guy called Tony Kay, um, we released the, the album ourselves. John Peel was obviously a, really important in that because we did a number of John Peel sessions. Um, and then we went on and we did ultimately sign to Virgin, did another album and we kind of never, you know, it was the beginning of the end. really. Yes. Um,
1: but 84, was it 84 that you came to the UEA and supported the Smiths? And that was on Valentine's Day, wasn't it? The yeah, 14th it was. Of I, think,
2: I think we actually played at the UEA three That's. or four times.
1: Because I think later on, in, yes, because later on I came to see you when you were sort of, you know, basically the headline band. So that was probably, yeah. I think that was the same year, about six yeah. months later. But yes, your, you know, your album, um, which, you know, obviously the one that we all loved so much, and that yeah. was the one that just seemed to have slowed to fade. That was the one that had sort of, it was solid gold really, wasn't it? It just. It, oh,
2: thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm still really pleased with it, to be honest. Yeah, and also... Um, Jerry, the singer, he, he, he runs the website. I tend to do the Facebook pages, but um, we still sell, you know, they still sell. Uh, a little constant stream of them going out throughout the world. I think he said he sent one to Israel last week, somebody in Israel. So, you know, it still ticks over. Yes, um, and, when you,
1: and when you brought that album out, or were making and recording it, did it sort of come together relatively quickly? Did you feel like it just fell into place, or did it take a, a you know, quite a while for it um, to sort of gel?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question. It was... Um, in retrospect, in retrospect, yeah, we were quite painstaking about it. We really did work work at getting it just right how we wanted to get it, um, and uh, yeah, we. It, but it was a good feeling. It wasn't like it wasn't like it didn't feel like work. It really felt full of vibrancy and full of ideas, and we were all, you know, getting better at our, better at our instruments. I just remember going for the first time in, in the studio and hearing the words to the songs for the first time. You know, wow, you know, never actually heard them properly before. <laughs> so yes. all sorts of things were happening. Yeah.
1: Because obviously that sing, the single came out, that was 82, was good technology, which, which was kind of unusual enough. And I guess it was why... John Peel sort of picked up on it so quickly because it, it, yeah. it did sort of have that oh this is quite an interesting song which you know because I, I never listened to John Peel live I'd always put a TDK D90 cassette in and then record yeah. you know record it and then listen to it a few times the next couple of weeks I suppose and yeah. that was one of those ones like Paris France that did sort of go oh that's quite an amazing yeah, song yeah. so I just, wondered how, I just wondered song. how long that took to sort of get the sound and your sort of like vibe together.
2: Yeah, it probably it probably took a long. It, at the time, it probably seemed like a long time because we were twenty, you know, and um, everything seems like it takes longer lo- longer in a way. We really honed it. We had a couple of different, you know, we tried. We really worked at getting the feel just right for the song. Um, I think we demoed it in an eight track studio in Bridlington before, and um, with a guy called Ken Giles, and worked at it, you know, improved it. it took about. It was twice as long as the single version. Yes, we have to take so many um, of the lyrics out. Great lyrics that never made the cut. We've got politics that are very odd. We've got chemicals make us believe in God, is one that I remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the, but the record sold,
1: the... but it sold 60,000 copies. Or, there, no, so
2: I've been told, yeah, 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 yeah. Which
1: must just now you're looking back on it, must make you think, Wow, how did that all happen? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was good it was good and it was great when we got the smiths tour we went to do um john Peel session um down in maida vale and john porter the producer had recently done a session with the smiths and kind of picked that on, on that little africany bit of john it sounds a little bit african at the beginning of handing glove yes. just a little and he kind of linked it to Hal's playing and said, oh, you two bands, you know, you should um, meet up with these guys and maybe do something together. It, something happened and we, we ended up doing one gig with them and end up get, getting all those gigs on their first tour. Really, we were very different bands, but we got on well with them and it was a good, you know, we had a great time, really yes. good.
1: Yes, and that is only a good thing. That is also the first part of my interview with Lou Duffy Howard from the, uh, the Red Guitars. And also, as I said earlier, and hopefully you were paying attention, she's now in a musical combo chord, Hailer Electric Company. Indeed, make notes. I will test you at the end. But anyway, I think we'll have some more music and then the next part of the interview. This is going to be from her very first band, I do believe. Hopefully, I was paying attention as well. This is time that The band was taught, um, as you probably remember if you were listening very intently there, um, Jane's Plain. And this is a track titled a Night Ride. That's it, Night Ride. Take it away. Indeed, that is um, Jane's plane with the track titled Night Ride. Yes, I just remembered all those moments. Um, Reclaim the night or reclaim the streets. That was one of those big kind of political times or marches that used to happen on a frequent level alongside the world of um, SWP, TVP and Barley Cup. Remember those good old days. Anyway. This is going to be the second part of my interview with Lou from the Red Guitars, and also now from the Loud Hale Electric Company where we were talking about that first Smiths tour and also the album and little did we know what was going to happen next with the Smiths and this was it. Lou, take it away. I mean, who,
2: you know, and who knew at the time? We didn't know what was going to happen to the Smiths. That was their first album. You know, John Porter, the guy who'd produced the BBC session, produced their first album. He was working with them. and um, you know. But nobody knew what was going to happen in the future at that time. No. Yeah.
1: And that first album that they did... The production wasn't that great. It was it was hatful of hollow, which really made it sound like it oh was. yes,
2: I, yeah. And I remember being in the studio because we went into uh, they recorded it at least elements of it. And this is all according to my memory, which is obviously a long time ago now. But they went into a studio called Matrix Studio, which was near the British Museum, which was a little uh, kind of, oh, it was a great studio, a little underground studio. I think Jimi Hendrix had got some got some links to it in the past, and John Porter. It was his kind of favorite studio maybe at the time and uh so the smiths have been in and we were demoing in there at the same time um and i do remember um him talking about recording the um how soon is now when uh you know that, uh, that wah wah pedal, yes. and, and, you know, to get that sound. You know, we've actually doing it with a wah wah pedal, pressing it with a hand, with a hand, and taking it in turns because it was such hard work to keep, mom, 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 to keep it going. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. because one thing that I've noticed doing all these interviews is that um, the one thing that sort of helped a lot of bands in a bizarre way was was being either unemployed or being on the job seekers' Lounge or the enterprise allowance, which was the other one. Yeah, so yeah. did did you sort of have rely on that kind of um, those those Thatcher years? Of a sort of private enterprise yeah, to um
2: absolutely and we were and a couple of the bands were doing scheme sort of some sort of into work schemes where they were working at um oh a kind of a cre a, a pla a place where a creative arts place you know doing the schemes getting ready for work we, all that was all around at the time people were doing really you know weird and wonderful things to keep keep uh Yes. Keep on going. Yeah. Well, I
1: just remember sort of looking back because when you mentioned your first band, um, what was it called? Something James. James Plain. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because there
1: was a lot of people doing those kind of marches that would reclaim the night. Women marches yeah. doing through Norwich and various other places. Because I just yeah, remember yeah. the political side, and then obviously, and uh, Rock Against Racism, and then Red Wedge as well. So, yeah. uh, the the eighties was filled with angst. So did because that was the thing about the eighties that I sort of realised that you had two quite distinct sides. You had that top of the pop stuff that if you listen yeah. watch it now which is, looks really bizarre and then you had the angsty <laughs> angsty side yeah yeah, yeah. Which is it's probably of...
2: still the same though but now it's kind of probably hip hop the angst side of it is a lot of hip hop sort of stuff yes. it certainly is in Hull um, and still punky sort of stuff going on and I do, I do some um, workshop things with young people music workshops with young people and recently I did one in a youth centre with uh, talking about protest songs Um you know just as an antidote to the X Factor, really, and all the you know real rubbish that's out there, we were going we're working with young people, talking you know talking about how music can change your life, how you can make a difference through music, how you can use mu- music as a channel to say things, um, and it doesn't have to be all that dross. And these fantastic young people with really chaotic lives had uh, wrote some fantastic songs, songs of freedom, it was called. And performed it at a big festival in Hull, and recorded some great tracks. And a lot of it was it was kind of split into bands, which were kind of punky influenced bands, and a lot of hip hop, um, grime, even you know a lot yes. of that kind of, sort of unspoken word sort sort, sort of um, with, you know that music that was really popular and really
1: Cause, good because coming from Hull obviously you've got the Spiders from Mars but also you had the House Martins at the same time who had huge kind of chart success did that yeah, did. W- yeah. was that kind of happening at the same time so I, I realised that yeah. you know the red guitars were actually sort of because I've often put indie pop down from 83 to 87 which is the years of the Smiths um, but you yeah. were there right at the pre then virtually so, yeah, so you, yeah. you must have seen someone like the House Martins just go blimey they've just gone mad
2: and yeah, so they... yeah, we well, we know them. Obviously, we were hanging around together, and they were there. Was they had a different name? They were called. Um, oh well, they came out of a band called The Gargoyles, and and Fun for All, um, originally, and they kind of yeah, oh, they were around in that circle anyway. Halfmart yeah. came together, Stan and Paul, Heaton, and yeah, yeah, it was happening. I think it was just a little bit after the Red Guitars, and and actually a lot of that that happened. We would. We weren't around in Hull very much. We still all lived in Hull and had flats in Hull and things, but we were on tour a lot of the time, and we had kind of a base in London. So a lot of that was going on when we weren't here. But I do remember bumping into the House Martins in Hamburg one time and having a day off with them, and that was nice. Yes, and I'm still slightly in touch with Stan, um, and he's because we have kids together that were friends and. So I'll still keep in touch a little bit with Stan and his family, which is nice, really nice.
1: And obviously, you know, you had Trevor Boulder from The Spiders. Did yeah, yeah. was 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 anybody like that quite influential to you? I just wondered what was Oh the... yeah.
2: Yeah, totally influential to me. But before I lived in Hull when I came over from West Yorkshire um, as a young teenager, teenager Trevor Boulder and Mick Ronson were big heroes of mine and then when I came to Hull oh they're from Hull and now I know lots of people who knew them who were their peers, you know the musicians who were just kind of the next generation up from me um, knew them all and, but I, I never actually met any of them I just they were still heroes for me and I'm glad that I didn't meet them really I, I nearly met Mick Ronson once when he came up to Fairview Studio when we were recording, we were in with the Red Guitars and oh Mick Ronson's coming up to the studio he was looking at it with a view to doing some work with one the juggler there and um I, was like, whoa, whoa, I, I think i'll go home and wash my hair you know and i went <laughs> home and missed him so, <laughs> so but in in retrospect i was i'm quite pleased that that's the way it was although our guitarist in the loud halo electric company jess parsons he was in a band called dead fingers talk which were a, even the end of the 70s Uh, And his album was um, produced by, their album was produced by Mick Ronson and came out on, um, I can't remember, one of the London record labels at the time. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. So, yeah. And he's got stories.
1: Yes, I would imagine because and he's that, got
2: great uh, stories. He's got stories about using the Mick uh, Le- Ronson London, and classic, uh, you know, left like poor gold top guitar and to play to play, you know, to play on. So. My God, <laughs> that's kind of like yes, yeah.
1: legendary. Because mm. because obviously back in those days, you know, you had John Peel, which was this. I didn't realize what a gatekeeper that was. You know, a John Peel play was huge. You know, and that that was important. But you also had like the Melody Maker and NME. So how did it feel when you suddenly? Saw you saw yourself on the front of the, the NME, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Looking, looking all sort of chic and indie, you know, selling 100,000. Did that sort of, how, yeah. did, did, how did you cope well, with that fame?
2: Weirdly, it seemed, well, weirdly, at the, at the time, we always felt that we weren't 80s, we weren't really 80s enough. We just didn't have the look. We were like, you know, from Hull and we didn't really have the London look and we didn't feel like we looked kind of sh- chic enough. We didn't look 80s enough. Um so whenever, I think for me, and whenever I saw it, I always thought, oh, God, we just look like, you know, we just don't look dressed up enough or something. We didn't really have an image. But interestingly... Um, Many, you know, 40 years later, whatever it is, uh, a video of us playing a whole live set at the Sheffield Leadmill showed up. And this video, we'd never had any video of us before, apart from when we were on the old grey whistle test, which we were all kind of especially dressed up for. So we'd never seen any video, and, and actually, not that many photographs. Exist from that time because people just didn't have cameras on their phones or phones or cameras even. You know, it was quite, it was quite unusual. So we didn't have many photographs. We didn't have any video. Then last year, uh, my mum moved house, and um, one of my brothers, and in in a box of stuff, found a video of a whole gig that we played at the Sheffield Lead Mill in January 1984, recorded on the stage, so it wasn't even from, the you know, looking at it, it was on the stage, it was really close up and good. And um, it had never been played. We'd kind of, I don't know, we must have just been given it in the middle of a tour and never even looked at it. So um, I've had it digitised, and I'm not sure what to do with it. I've released a couple of bits on the Facebook page. But something that I noticed when I looked at it is that, so we didn't look 80s. Sure, we didn't look eighty, so therefore we kind of look quite timeless. Really, we don't look really old-fashioned anymore. Yes. forty years later. You know, but,
1: it, but you did have quite a sort of a, quite a look, especially the next period with the, the Planet Wilson. There was there was definitely quite a, a kind of yeah. stylized look. I must admit, you know, you had the sort of yeah. the, the hair, the, the the black clothes,
2: the, the whole yeah. sort of image. The Planet Wilson was interesting because I mean that was the, again listening back to the music, it was you know really interesting music i like to listen to it i've I listened to it lots but i i you know from what i remember of it now and again we've, because we've recently um well hal's remastered all the planet wilson two albums one was an independent album one was on virgin records and they've never been available digitally they've just it's not been out there really so we're going to um we're going to be re-released digitally Um, And they're coming out on the 2nd of September and they'll be on Spotify and iTunes and all, you know, Bandcamp, all the usual digital. And there's a website that goes with it. And it was quite interesting, really, because the Planet Wilson is just very marketable. Um, It's got kind of it's got quite a good image. It's interesting to talk about kind of the planet, the space thing. Um, We've got so much good press. We didn't sell very many records, but we've got loads of great reviews. Um, single of the week in the enemy, Sounds, uh, Melody Maker, some really good reviews, didn't sell much, stayed together for a while and had a good time and then eventually kind of moved on to do different things. I went back to South Africa. Yes. Um, but before uh, but, that,
1: you had your yeah. second Red Guitars um, album, Tales of the Expected. Now, interesting, when I did an interview with the, the lead man of The Railway Children, it was Virgin Records that slightly ruined the band from memory. Yeah, he, he didn't, yeah. They didn't have a great time. I think it was a rock and a hard place. It's like, we've yeah. got to sign for somebody. Virgin looks good. They signed. Yeah. And, and suddenly I remember him saying from memory something like, the, manager, the management wanted them to talk. We'd take that.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was we there, just uh, got the same story. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "But we want to be, we want to be more REM and and that cool, cool scene. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be with you know a boy band." But yeah. it was like, "Oh dear," yeah. and that was kind of so. How did yeah. you, so? What was because obviously you were in on self drive records, and then you you know, yeah.
2: You well, what thought... happened was we wanted to. Um, we'd had a change of lineup, and we wanted, to, and eventually we thought, well, you know, let's sign. We all the time, we always had a lot of record companies interested in us, but they just, you know, we just thought, oh, I don't want to sign to them, you know, it didn't seem good. But Virgin, um, it was actually a guy called Simon Draper who was the head guy there at Virgin Records. Richard Branson met us, took us out to dinner, seemed like a nice guy. Simon Draper, his head guy, was the guy that was looking after us, Uh, you know, seemed really nice. I'm sure they, you know, it just, you know, they we thought, yeah, let's just go with it. The deal we got was what could have been a massive deal if we'd have seen it through to the four albums. You know, and we, but, but what we did, we and what they do, they give you the money, and it worked. You know, it was a lot of money, and then they say, right, but we want you to go into this studio, which is their own studio. We went into one of the townhouse studios, and it costs an enormous amount, and we'll take it all back. You know, because that's how much you've got to pay to record so you know they give you what seems like a lot of money then they take it back and but they have got control over what you know what what you do so the way it went we wanted to have you know we wanted certain producers they wanted other producers they wanted us to kind of flagship virgin america virgin japan i think and they wanted to have an american guitar band sound and we were very north of england so you know it just didn't really work for us and as I say it was the beginning of the end it wasn't I can't say it was anybody's fault but that's just probably the same story as the as the railway children really yes
1: indeed the interesting and sometimes tricky world that is rock and roll or indie pop at least anyway that's the second part of my interview with Lou Duffy Howard still more of that quality chat to come but I think we'll break it up with another track this is going to be from her next musical adventure the Planet Wilson Band and this is a song that is titled I do believe. Taken for a ride. I know these things. There you go. The Planet Wilson Band. I think they're just called The Planet Wilson. And that was a track titled Taken for a Ride. This is going to be the third part of my interview with Lou, where I was asking about the process of recording the second album, which was the tricky one. And um, if it had been a heavy process or not. And this was her response. Lou, how was that process? Oh
2: no, it was really hard. I mean, one of the things I remember, I had a fantastic bass which I have still got. A couple of basses, a couple of great sing well, Stingray and a Cutlass, two music men, and I had you know they were lovely instruments. I absolutely loved them. But they, you know, in this in in recording this album, I had to hire a different bass, and there was nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with the basses that I had. They were you know, they were brilliant instruments. I have still got them now; they're fantastic. But um, I had to hire a different instrument. I didn't kind of. I don't know, maybe now I would have gone no, my bass is absolutely fine, I'll use this one, thank you but I kind of went, oh yes, alright I'll hire a different one, you know, I, went to the show, oh, I can choose any bass I want, but then, you know, I ended up being influenced to get this particular bass, which had a uh, It was, you know, I really didn't like it, it had a it was far too responsive, it was difficult to play, you know, but it was a, you know, it was just um, It was just what I had to do, they wanted to yes. you know, they wanted everything to be slightly different, and probably the same thing happened to the other guys in the band, they had to use you know, Other stuff. Particular. So when yeah. when that
1: when that album came out and you saw the the cover and you went, this is it. Was that mm. almost the end of the band at the same time? It was.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do remember the end of the band. this is how how I remember it is. We came back to Hull. I'd been ill and I'd come back a bit early, so I'd missed the end of the recording. I, Ill, I kind of I, you know kind of a sign of the times. If I'd been you know, i had been ill, and I wanted to be there. I would have been there, but I'd come back. And eventually, we all got back to Hull. The job was finished. It had been mixed. Somebody had mixed it. We weren't even. We weren't there. And um, I rang up Hal and said, "Oh, he. You know, I rang up Hal. Oh, are we going to get together go out for a drink." And he said, "Right, Lou, I've got to tell you this. Um, I've decided to. I've decided to leave. I've decided that I don't want to be in in, in the band anymore. And oh, you know, I, I just remember thinking, oh." Yeah, but I do understand, and we all met up and went to the pub, and actually we went to the Adelphi, which is a you know kind of classic club that's been in Hull now ever since nineteen eighty four and. Is a well-respected indie club in, in on the circuit, but it was we didn't really go in the early days because we were in London. It opened up while we were in the Red Guitars. And we went, to, so the first time I ever went to the Adelphi Club was the day that the Red Guitars split up. And we went in, and it was maybe a Monday night, and there was a rockabilly night going on. And we just sat there and had a drink, and we went, oh, well, you know, we kind of toasted the end of the band and had a nice time. And for the first time, we were all feeling quite good again, you know.
0: Yes. Yeah, and that was that.
2: Yeah, and that was that. And then a period of time went past and then, I can't remember how, Hal and I got back together. We maybe hadn't seen each other for a few weeks and Hal had done some demos on his own and we kind of got chatting and he said, hey, do you fancy getting a new band, you know, getting something together? And um, we got uh, we got in a friend of ours called Grant Artist, who was an absolutely brilliant drummer. He'd been on this scene in the early days with those James Plain days and things. You know, he was great drummer and he so there were the three of us got the planet wilson together and we persuaded virgin to continue the deal we had a publishing deal and a record deal so they we were on so the first planet wilson album was on virgin didn't cost anything like the red guitars one did but we recorded it with a guy called steve nye who was uh, we who we'd chosen ourselves really how was a particular big fan of the penguin cafe orchestra He'd oh, okay. been the keyboard player in there, and we loved that sound. You know, it was Hal that introduced me to him, but I, I loved the sound, and he produced the album. We went down to a a small studio in South London, New Cross area, called the Chocolate Factory, and we had a good time. Recorded the album there. Um, it wasn't as cutting edge as I think we wanted it to be. It was when, it was a little bit middle, you know, down the middle really, I suppose, compared with the demos. But you know, it was good. And it was really well-reviewed, loads of great reviews, great stuff, but it didn't really sell enough. And Virgin, you know, uh, Hal said it was, uh, he we've got a quote, something like, it was um, released in a in a big splash of secrecy. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, and it never, you know, they didn't, Virgin didn't do anything with it, really. They just kind of went, oh, well, well they've persuaded us, we'll pay for it. But that was it, a bit of a loss, you know. Yeah, you know, Yes. so what then happens
1: to the your material with the, the sort of the last... Red Guitars album and also that first um, album with with Planet mm. Wilsons. Do do they kind of own the music still, or do? Well, they... I've
2: got the copyright back from that now. I went, I got in touch with PRS, and I can't remember exactly how I did it, to be honest. But I did it last year, um, and I took some advice from a guy from Integrity Records called Nick Tarbit, who's been a who was a, I think he lived. Oh, he's from Hull, um, but he's got a record company down. Um, I think he's in London way now, and um. I got chatting to him and he kind of said, "Oh, I can see on the PRS, I can see something on the PRS database." And I said, "Right, I'll get in touch." And I kind of I said, I- I said, oh, what, what shall I do? And he told me what to do. And I've got the copyright back on those now. God, that yeah, must so, be quite... So it's copyright control again now,
1: yeah. Excellent, because often, yeah. yes, because often a lot of things that break people's hearts is the fact that they, they made the music, but they don't own it, and then they have this kind of difficult relationship, thinking yeah. it just kind of brings back bad memories, and there's not that sense of completion, I think. Yeah, when, when it people... was
2: such a long time ago, though, now. <laughs> I'm afraid we are that old. No, yes. It was so long ago that it, <laughs> we've kind of gone through that, Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, um, but then you
1: got the second album with the with sort of...
2: Yeah, well, we were kind of fairly canny, really, because they gave us some money, which I can't remember, was it £60,000 or something? And we, um, we spent some of it on an album, and the rest of it we bought... What was at the time a brilliant home studio. I mean, obviously now you can have about you know 50 times better on your computer, but at the time it was brilliant. So we had an analog desk and a Revox reel-to-reel and some you know some good reverb. We actually had a spring. We had a reverb that was in a tube. You know, we had some really old analog gear and it was great. And we recorded another album at home. And Hallam and Grant were just both so innovative. innovative musicians, Grant fantastically imaginative percussion drummer, a musician. Hallam as well. Absolutely. You know, just so great. And they really, you know, were fantastic to work with. And we recorded a second album which was um yeah, it was great. It was just full of unusual things and it got reviewed straight people said things like it sounded like um, a car a car careering around a corner on three wheels just about to spin off the road and and some people said i remember one being like it sounds like all three musicians are playing on playing different tracks at the same <laughs> time <laughs> which we thought was great you know yes but then, <laughs> but then did no, that listening...
1: did that then sort of come did you then call that a day as well sort of well after...
2: yeah we plugged away at that we enjoyed, we had some good you know, we had good fun, but it, we didn't have an agent. It was just so hard. We did some good gigs, but we, it was just so hard. You know, and then the end, then the you know what was happening, the politics at the time. Times were hard at that time. And we, we, I was in the Planet Wilson for much longer. Than I was actually in the Red Guitars, and then I can't remember towards the end of the 80s we decided to call it a day and it felt quite sad but we'd had a good time and it felt right at the time to move on and do something different and Hallam, not long after that, a period of time after that, went back to South Africa where he's still playing music out there in South Africa which is great. Grant still plays here in Hull in different bands here, here, here. Um, I've got uh yeah, I've been, since then I've been through a few different bands. I've had a few periods of time when I've had children and taken a bit of time off, but I've always played. And I've got like, what is... I'm having a brilliant time at the moment with the Loud halo Electric Company. Which so did that mean together. that you've...
1: Did that mean that you've had a bit of a period like the, the um, 2000? Was that a, 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 a sort of a decade that sort of... You put the guitar to one side a bit?
2: No, no, always played. I've always played. I've had a series of bands over the years, but... Um, uh, I, yeah, always played, but I don't know. A time came when this band that we're in at the moment, we've just, ourselves, we've just gelled and really had, you know, had lots of fun. And so we recorded a, an album a couple of years ago. And that was really nice how that came together because there's a studio in Hull called Fairview Studio, which was where reg guitars recorded our very first album. And um, we, the, it was celebrating the, the, its 50th anniversary. Uh, two, maybe two years ago, and John Spence, the, the engineer, recording engineer there, got in touch with me and said, Lou, Red Guitars were one of the great bands that produced a great album from this studio. Would you like to come in for two or three days, record a couple of tracks, and we're going to do a compilation album of things from, that have been reco- new songs recorded by people who've recorded at Fairview Studio and made a bit of a splash with it, I suppose. So there was people, there was Michael Chapman there, Bill Nelson, some great, you know, some good, really good people that we're really fans of as well on the album we went in the studio had a great time recorded two tracks and we went right let's go back in and record the rest of an album mm. uh, so we recorded the whole album there had a great time and that came out and it's been good been really good we've done some great gigs we've got some really good we've kind of got a bit of a science fiction theme to the band yes. and our guitarist jeff parsons who's the uh, the sonic architect um, with his flanjector array in this science fiction story that, come, that kind of splurges out of his head the Leco, the adventures of the leconauts we are
1: <laughs> Right, I think we'll just leave it there just put it on pause and then play another track and then the last part of the interview This is going to be a track taken from the hailer Electric Company and this is from Morpheus and this is the opening track titled Dark Guitar
2: I heard the dark guitar <laughs> In a different shadow Of the same old
1: mesmerizing sound of the loud hailer electric company and that's a track titled dark guitar that's from their new album or ep titled morpheus do check them out because they are stunning anyway this is going to be the final part of my interview with lou from that band and lots of other bands including red guitars and uh, yes this is where i've been asking about the musical direction of this latest adventure In the musical landscape, that is, rock and pop. Or is it psychedelic rock? We don't know. But anyway, Lou's going to tell us. Lou, tell us.
2: Psychedelic sound. That's what we're going for, really. That's what we really like. (laughs) Uh, We've got some... A colleague of mine, I play in the um, Hull and I have played in the York Gamelan Orchestra over the years. So when I've not been releasing rock albums, I've been doing things like playing the Gamelan, which is the Indonesian orchestra, of um, gongs and pots and different instruments. And one of my friends that I made through the York gamelan. Um, who's, who's a fantastic psychedelic artist, Charlotte Pugh? She's done both our, our, both our um, album artwork for this EP and for the original one, Cursus. So we've got our first album was called "Cursus," and again, really well reviewed. With, you know, it's a limited edition CD, but we're so, we you know, we're really happy with how it's gone. So this new one is called Morpheus. It's got a slightly darker sound to it and darker feel, and um, we're very pleased with it. It's, out well, it's out on Bandcamp yes. this weekend, and then it's out on Spotify, iTunes, all the rest of the things from the fifteenth of July, and it's distributed for for a company called Works, art, uh, Label Works, Label W O R X, which are the biggest or a very big um, distributor of independent music. They work with um, I don't know, maybe you know, thirty thousand artists. Um, I think about a thousand independent record labels in 160 different countries. And they're actually based in Hull. Wow. So it's um, all going there. That's yeah, what, it's all happening here. <laughs> because
1: you're, the first song on the, the new EP, Dark Guitar. It remind you because you take the vocals quite a bit now, yeah. don't you? And that, yeah. that had had quite a Patty Smith quality, I thought. Oh, thank it. you. <laughs> <laughs> you never know if that's good or bad. But yeah, so uh, did you good. did you enjoy sort of you know taking sort of the lead spot in on, on some of this kind of new, new material?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because uh, as a you know bassist, so you tend to be in the a bit more like drums and bass in the background, the back line. Um, yeah, I just started to, you know, I never really saw myself as a singer, but over the years I've built up my voice and I feel like I'm quite a strong singer now and I enjoy doing it. Um, certainly, uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah. It's yeah. But I play bass. I still see bass as my main instrument. Yes. Um, well, absolutely. Yes, but, and
1: I, I must admit that you say that, I mean, one of my favourite bands is, is Motorhead and it's got Lemmy, who obviously is that, yeah. that, the, the absolute bassist. In absolutely, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's the
2: loudest a... band I ever saw at the <laughs> Ford Green in Leeds when I was a teenager, I think, and they're still the loudest band I ever saw. <laughs> yes, I know, mm.
1: such classics. So, yeah, so bringing it, you know, obviously that was three years ago you had the album, this is coming out, um, you know, at the end of the decade. So obviously you've still, you're still got, the love of making music and and still the love of pl- your bass guitar so so obviously the creative process hasn't slowed down at all in in several you know decades now that's has true. it yeah
2: that's true yeah and yeah. you know and sort of
1: and you manage to sort of navigate though there's two two things and the band dynamics and the admin and to sort of be able to cope with both of those it, it takes a special person really doesn't it
2: well, I think you've certainly nailed it, David. That is the case as the band and the music. You know, you've got to create music and be creative. But it, but the admin is a real, yeah. It's a, it's a side of it that, yeah, you've just got to do. And, yeah, I've, I've got, yeah, I just kind of, yeah, get on with it. Really, we've got the website loudhailer dot net, and that was a real, to me, that was a real game changer. Somebody showed me how, showed me WordPress and how to do a website, and I just. And it's like creating something, you know. My husband's a photographer as well as a musician, and you know, so between us, we've got kind of, yeah, we've got some, you know, we've got matching skills really. We've got the look and the sound, and we just enjoy doing it really. So yeah. yes,
1: and and sort of with all your experience, what I mean, what would you love to have? someone to say to you when you were beginning your sort of musical journey or what would you say to a, a young person or a person starting yeah. out in music because there, there must have been things that you thought oh, god i wish i'd had been i wished i knew yeah. that when i'd started this game
2: yeah it's quite it's, it's really hard to answer that question but i've got four children uh they've all got they've all got different levels of mu- you know musicality about them but one of my sons who is in his early mid 20s he's a you know particularly fantastic musician he's a bassist i'm really really you know, really just with how what a great bassist he is and what great music his band come out of. He's based in West Yorkshire, he's in a band called Terrafin, and they are, you know, bang on right now. Band, um, very musical. They've done some tour, they tour in Lithuania recently and France, so he's really and he's in the same position as I've always been in, really, which is just like you know, trying to make it as a musician, I suppose. Just what do you do to get to just make, to get a little bit further along. And it's really hard to know what I would say to him because really what he says to me is as important as what advice I can give to him. And one of the things we were just talking about, he came back because I was doing a gig at the weekend and he came back to the gig and was talking about, uh, he, he was talking about playing in a function band, a covers band and you know, things have changed nowadays. In, in when I was his age, playing in a function band, a covers band, it was just like completely selling out. You know, we would have <laughs> never have done that. Yes. Um, we just played in one band and that was it. You know, one band. One, and if you played in two bands, which I did for a little while with Jane's playing, it was like, oh, I don't feel right about this. I'm going to have to give one up and play with one. But nowadays, everybody plays in like loads of different bands, uh, including a function band where you go out and play weddings and earn a, earn a crust. And which Corey does, um, and he's you know, he can do that, and he's you know, he's become um, an absolutely fantastic bassist, musician, and a lot of it is because he's just played all those, you know, all those covers over and over again and learned loads and loads of different styles. Uh, so, yes, well, it was interesting because
1: you know, I remember sort of because I'm a bit obsessed with my rock, rock documentary films and it's interesting because Jimi Hendrix started as a backing you know, musician for various kind of soul people and, and even when I did an interview with Fast Eddie, I think his early band before he was in Motorhead was kind of some sort of, you know, playing guitar for some sort of quite established artist, you know, and, yeah, and you yeah. know, he said but God, you learn so much by yeah. playing again, you know, behind these kind of cool cats who've been doing it for decades it, you know, you do have to work and like when you look at the Beatles, they did all that kind of gigging stuff in Hamburg and I remember over Christmas watching this documentary on Twisted Sister who I didn't know anything about but they spent years touring up and down the country sort of you know, not making it, but sort of learning how to perform live. And then yeah, one day it yeah. clicks and you think, thank God we've done all that kind of homework because, you know, we need it yeah. now because the moment has come. You never know if the moment is going to come, but you kind of, yeah. you, you know, if you haven't done all the kind of the legwork, you haven't got the stamina yeah. to keep it going. So I yeah. think it actually it probably is a good thing. But yes, yeah. in the 80s, you know, even signing to a major record label like Sonic Youth did, I remember there was like outcry wasn't there you know they'd say yeah. to some you know like My God, you've come <laughs> yeah. you know you know you're sold out you know there was big yeah, cl- yeah 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 you know, no one would care now would they but um... <laughs> no, no
2: no no it's a so different, different way of, different things yeah different but you learn as you go along I mean I feel now uh, you know, I front the band. So, uh, and and Jeff, our guitarist, is used. To, you know, he's a good front person as well. Although he actually, you know, his, his main skill is being an absolutely brilliant lead guitarist. So we kind of leave him to do that a lot of the time. But learning to front the band, and I feel now really quite confident that I can, um, you know, engage an audience and keep them. You know, keep an audience.
1: Yes. Uh, well, it must be you, quite an experience. Yeah.
2: Which yeah. I haven't felt in. The, you know, you I've kind of got to that point by you know about doing it I suppose and yeah feeling that I can yeah be engaging rather than and you know I've not had that experience of losing an audience you know which is a you know when you get there and the people have got a great expectation and you lose them it doesn't happen often and when it does it oh that is the worst thing you know but being able to play in front of a, a big audience or a very small audience and really engage them is uh, you know it's a good thing to feel good about so
1: well I remember just, last year I uh, saw two people who were I thought were incredible with Camille O'Sullivan who's a singer and a folk band called Dervish and, and again they they, they you know they fronted, <laughs> two women fronting it, yeah. especially Camille O'Sullivan because that's her and um, she was right. I mean they were so engaging as kind of people and that yeah. little bit of chat between songs and you know you thought God actually that is, you know the music was incredible but yeah you know being able to sort of hold that, I do you know appreciate even though he's gone a bit odd, his dear old Morrissey from the Smiths.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen him for a long time, but yeah, 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 yes. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's the whole thing, really, isn't it? So, it must I don't be, know. I it must be. I haven't very really got different. advice for anybody. I've just got, um, you know, I've got I to still take it, really, still still listen to what people say and as I say what my son what Corey tells says to me his experiences yes well uh, it must be uh, and it still. must
1: be exciting because like two years ago you had the the city of culture in Hull so you must have enjoyed sort of celebrating the kind of all all that has happened in your sort of fine city
2: yeah well that's an interesting thing the city of culture there was lots of things were brought into the city um you know but actually you're celebrating real Hull culture I felt was missing and myself and Rich we I say we're musicians what we do mostly but we had an idea that we wanted to do something to celebrate um, real Hull culture Hull is a city we didn't know this at the time it's the only city that has only. it's on a river the river Hull which flows from the north to the south out into the river the Humber Estuary um, and the city is kind of split in two by the river Hull and it's got only movable bridges All all movable bridges, thirteen movable bridges over the river, and um, we had this idea, which we did actually bring to fruition when it happened, which we could do, which wouldn 't it be amazing to open all the bridges at the same time and split the city in two. Wow, so we had this crazy idea. And it took us about a year and a half to make it happen, and we did. Um, we just um, we started making the contacts, asking people what, how, how we would do this, and we built an event around it. We did it on the autumn equinox, 2017. Um, and we, and it was a lot of it was about exploration of freedom, the concept of freedom. What if you can't get across from one side to the other? And also, Hull's got a, a history of well, William Wilberforce was born here, and you know he uh, campaigned to make slave trading illegal. So freedom is a kind of an identity of the city. So we really kind of drive deep into consideration about what that meant. And we put up, we, we um, commissioned a composer we know to compose a piece of music concrete using the sounds recorded. For from the bridges all those kind of you know metallic sounds and that music was premiered on the night and we had a series of beautiful restored um, and original vessels um, a sloop a keel um, uh, and some barges sailing down the river on the night and we put on this uh, huge event and we made it happen and so that was part of the city What we something that in all independently local people did for the city of culture Wow. <laughs> and it's just been crazy. And then we had so many people that came to the exhibition telling stories of what it was like working on the river in the day and living on the river that we're just about to re- to um, finish a book about it. And uh, we've got next, it's all been picked up by the um, the maritime museums in the area who uh, we're working with to make it more pu- public and available to the public domain. So that's Open Bridges, we called it, openbridgeshull.com is the website. And uh, it's been, uh, you know, uh, another journey, really, along the way.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: that's an amazing project. That <laughs> yeah. is kind of, yeah. you know, that, that makes putting on a gig at, at a venue quite a piece of cake, pretty, doesn't yeah, it?
2: Absolutely, you're <laughs> right, David, because, honestly, the, you know, we had to really work hard with emergency services, with, you know, potential terrorism, oh, the whole thing, just making it happen. Because one of the things was there was a bylaw that you couldn't raise two bridges next to each other at the same time without paying a flat. A, a flagon of ale and, and a goat or something to the, to you know to the to the, uh, to the, the corporation. And so we had to, it was to cross. We had to cross so many bridges to make it happen. Say, but um, it, you know, it, so it has been a ma- an amazing, amazing th- journey really, and we've met loads of fantastic people linked up with the history of the river, which has been quite ignored. We found over the years because Hull's known as a trawler and fishing city, uh, but actually the river. Uh, the 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 barges bringing goods and freight up and down the river, and the people that worked on the river um you know was what made whole what what made whole build you know made it here it's the lifeblood of the city yes I so, would imagine
1: that that whole hmm. industry on the sea was was kind of yeah. Everything really wasn't it? So yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
2: So wow. so that's been quite an amazing. It's, it's not quite finished that uh, whole thing, but we're, that's been an amazing thing to do. And you know, being musicians, it was just great to get this piece of music, concrete by a, a, a composer called John Stead, who's lit, worked in Hull for most of his life. And um, you know, as I say, we commissioned him to do this fantastic, beautiful piece of music, and it's a film as well. It's all been filmed. Um, the film won. Uh, was played at some film festivals and we've got some accolades so throughout um, well in throughout the world actually some in asia um so we're re- really, really pleased with how, how that is. And i say it's still, it's, still, it's still not finished.
1: Gosh, <laughs> that's brilliant. So, well, I'm so pleased, my God. So, <laughs> so you're still well rocking, well, well, well past you, yeah. you. That's fantastic. Uh, there's, there's
2: been a great venue in Hull as well that ha- that's been... Uh, one of our kind of partners in Open Bridges was a guy called Malcolm Scott, who's a local businessman, a, a state agent, really, who's got a, who's, take, who's open, opened a venue, uh, I don't know, maybe five years ago. And it's been a lovely venue venue. venue he's unfortunately having to close it close it uh that just for personal reasons really because he's not been well but and it's just about coming to the end of its time and it's been a lovely lovely venue called cardoma 94 in hull and we've done lots of gigs there we've been to lots of gigs there and it's a little theater we've been to see lots of other, all sorts of different events. And it's a big building with five floors and it's been an incubator unit. He's, it's been a, a labour of love, really, for him. But it's been an incubator unit for, for many, many different local creatives. So throughout this period of time, when Hull was the city of culture, a lot of local creative people have... It's do, that's done more than anything to help uh, build cre- inspirational creativity in Hull. So you know, sometimes it's not the big picture, but it's the small things that are happening within a city that make it what it doesn't make
1: it what it is so true and that is sadly the last part of my interview with lou duffy howard talking about her life in music as uh, alongside her um, but the bands like the red guitars and also the planet wilson and a loud Haler electric company which does sound like a tom wolf band or at least a novel anyway this has been david Esau. this has been the c86 show if you want to contact me i do sound a bit desperate now you can via facebook twitter or instagram go to at c86 show and also all these have been podcasts so you can listen to hours of excitement um, and that's available on spotify itunes podbean and also mixcloud indeed check it out anyway i'll leave you with another track before saying goodbye this is going to be dive from the big guitars and that legendary indie classic slow to fade have a great week <laughs>